right, so like I said, we've taken a couple weeks off. We uh, had camp at the beginning of the month, and then last week was Father's Day, and so we've had a little bit of a, a hiatus there. Um, but just to recap what Justin talked about at the beginning of June, he presented to us this, this unique tool that he had found, and it is the, the bless card is what we're calling it. Chase, you can throw it. Yep, there it is. Um, and so what it is is just a very simple tool that... Um, that gives us kind of a, uh, a guideline of how we can live our lives on purpose in, in the mission of Christ and loving others. And so we be, we begin by uh, praying for people. Words are hard. We begin our day by praying for people that we'll see and the places that we'll go. And so we ask the sovereign God of the universe, okay, would you just make my path straight? Would you help me to go where you want me to go? Help me to talk to the people that you want me to talk with. And then L, we listen for the needs of others and for where God may be at work. E, we eat meals and spend intentional time with people. There's something powerful about eating together. God just created uh, food to be amazing. Like, food's awesome, right? And eating together is powerful and it builds friendships. And so we eat meals together and we serve together. We serve the needs of others and offer to help in practical ways. Uh, We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We don't just want to tell people that Jesus loves them. We want to show them as well. Uh, But on the flip side, we don't just want to help people. We want to share with them why we're helping them. We want them to know that it's because of Christ and who he is in us and what he's done for us that we are then helping them. So we share the story of Jesus and what he's doing in our life. So it's a very simple tool. Um, There's nothing magical about it. It's, uh, It's simple, but it's not easy. It's not easy because, I don't know about you guys, but I am incredibly selfish. And I'm selfish with my time, with my attention, with my talents, everything that, that I have, I, I'm, I can be very selfish. And so, because of that, blessing others is an uphill battle that we're fighting. It's hard. Everything is coming against us. Everything is telling us that we should focus on ourselves, that we should love ourselves and build ourselves up, when what God is saying is no turn your eyes outward and and love other people. And so because it's an uphill battle, um, you know, it's not going to come easy to us. You know, no one ever just like fell back into the lazy boy of holiness. Like no one ever just sat back and was like, oh, now I love helping people and loving others. It's not that simple. We have to be very intentional with with our time and with our efforts if we want to make a difference in this world. So because we can be selfish, because it's an uphill battle, uh, we have to ask ourselves, how do we, how do we get from uh, point A to point B? How do we take it from where all we're doing is caring about ourselves to, to where we begin our days by focusing outward, by loving other people? You know, it's not, it's not easy. Um, and it, it reminds me of a, a quote that I love from the movie Gladiator. Anyone seen Gladiator in here? Yeah. There's like three of you guys. Okay, you shouldn't watch it because it's violent and it's really good. Um, and so Gladiator, there's a scene where this general, this warrior general is going before his troops and it's the beginning of this battle and like the, the opposition is fierce and he goes in front of them and he says, brothers... What we do in life echoes in eternity. So there's, 
there's Maximus there, the guy with the little horses on his, his armor. Maximus goes before his, his man. He says, brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What he's saying is this life matters. The way you live now matters. The way that you fight now matters. The way that you die now matters. It's the opposite of the lazy boy. The lazy boy says, okay, I'm just going to roll back into intentionality in this life. And that's, that is a lie. It doesn't happen like that. We have to be very intentional about blessing others, about loving others, about fighting this fight. You know, you can see Maximus there. That, that is the look of, of a man who realizes that what he does in life echoes in eternity. There is some, some pride there in the way that he lives, saying, you know, I'm going to make the most of this time on earth. I'm not going to waste it. It reminds me of this uh, old poem that I heard once. It says, only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So we have to ask ourselves, what are we, what are we doing now that's going to last for all of eternity? If you were to die today, what's your legacy? What do people remember you by? When you go before Jesus, what will, what will y'all be talking about as you give an account for your life? You know, you think about people like, uh, like Warren Buffett, who is worth like $75 billion, which just doesn't even make sense. That's so much money. But yet, like we, we look up to him like, oh man, that, that's an amazing man. Like, and he's so successful. Well, in a thousand years, is anyone going to care about Warren Buffett? Is anybody going to remember what he's done? Is anyone going to be impacted by what he's done? What about in a hundred thousand years? When we're standing before Christ, is what Warren Buffett did going to make a difference? $75 billion burns up like that. Or you think about like uh, the Caesars of like 2,000 years ago. Like Caesar was the emperor. He was the king. He had everything. He had all the power. He had all the money. He had all the success. He had whatever he wanted. And right now, he's a footnote in history. Like, big deal. Caesar. Okay, great. Or the pharaohs go back even a couple more thousand years. The pharaohs of old, who they had like even more power and even more wealth and everything. Like people worshipped them as gods. And yet right now, they are footnotes in history. You know why? Because only one life, it'll soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. And so if, if it's a battle to live a life in intentionality, if it's an a uphill battle that we're fighting to be able to bless others, to be able to love others, to be able to grow closer to Christ, then how do we... How do we get out of that rut? How do we become people that are living on mission for Christ? Well, to, to answer that question, we're going to be in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 today. So I'll just go ahead and read it for you. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So it begins this passage with kind of a a mysterious sounding sentence. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What is he talking about? Like, are we just in a, a foggy place? Like, are we in Seattle right now? No, he's, you have to look at the context of it. And so, for being good Bible students, then you look at your prepositions, like your therefores, your but, your and, your because, all that kind of stuff. So, this sentence begins with a therefore. So, just a helpful little hint. Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you want to ask yourself, okay, what's the therefore, therefore? What's the therefore, therefore? So you have to look. Why is it there? What's it pointing towards? And so here, the therefore is pointing towards chapter 11. So chapter 11 is all about these heroes of the faith, these men and women of old who, instead of living for themselves, instead of uh, doing whatever they wanted to do, they instead submitted themselves to the Lord and chose to love others intentionally. They, They didn't waste their lives. They made the most of their lives. So that's what it's pointing to. It talks about Noah and Abraham. It talks about Moses. Uh, It says, Moses choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. It talks about Rahab. She was a, a prostitute, and she gets mentioned here. Because she decided to start living for God and what God wanted. She helped the spies of Israel to be able to come into her village, and then Israel destroyed her village, and she was saved because she decided, okay, I'm going to make the most of this life. So it talks about Rahab, it talks about King David, it talks about the prophet, and it goes on and on about all these people who, instead of living for themselves, decided to live on mission for God. So it says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this cloud of witnesses is all these people of old, all the, the, the Christians who have gone before us. It's our, our Christian legacy, our heritage. But it's not just a, a vague, like, okay, remember them, like they're just a memory. No, it's saying that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And so throw the, uh, the Maximus picture back up there. So you see, like, Maximus is in this stadium, and he's standing in the middle, and you see all the people in the back right there? Imagine that's, that's the crowd of witnesses. That is, that is all the people that have gone before us. So, like, okay, there's, there's Noah up in the corner. There's Abraham. Um, there's Samson. Like, you see Samson up there? He's just doing bicep curls and, like, flipping his hair around. And then, like, Noah is, is over there with, like, a peacock on his shoulder. They're surrounding us. And they're not just, like, they're not just sitting there observing. No, they are, they are cheering us on. They're saying, you, you can do this. I've been where you've been. I, I've lived life. I, I made the most of my time on earth. And you can do the same thing. You only have 100 years. You better make the most of it. You got this. Go for it. Go for it. They're cheering us on. This is our legacy. The people who have gone before us and are cheering you on. Do you ever feel like, like you're alone in this world? Do you ever feel like your life just doesn't matter? Take encouragement from Hebrews 12 here. 
He's saying that there's this great crowd of witnesses and they are cheering you on. They're saying you can make the most of this life. They're saying your life matters for eternity. So we have this great cloud of witnesses around us. So it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by all these people, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So he continues with this, this kind of runner's imagery. So imagine, imagine like we're in the Olympics and, and we have this great cloud of witnesses around us. Like these are all the fans, they're cheering us on. And so you go up to the starting blocks, you're a runner in this race. You go up to the starting blocks and you look over to your left and does everyone know Usain Bolt? like the fastest man in the world. He's a, a, a professional sprinter. That's all he does for a living. So like you have Usain Bolt right there and a bunch of other, like, like eight other sprinters. They're all, they're all a bunch of runners. And they don't have on like, they don't have on boots and jeans and like a jacket. No, they, they have on the most high-tech clothes that they can have, the most lightweight, the most aerodynamic, because they want to take every single advantage that they can to run their race well. So you have all these people, they, like, they're super tight, like leotard, and like their, their lightweight shoes that weigh like a quarter of an ounce. So you have them over there, right? So the image is, you walk up to the starting blocks. You're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this race. I'm just going to... Hey, what's up, Usain? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to run too? Good. Good. You're going to run? Yeah. Well, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you real bad. Okay. Hang, hang on. I'm just going to... Don't, don't fire that gun off yet. I got to get, get my weights up here. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm ready. Oh, gosh. All right. I'm ready. Yep. Okay. Let me get in my starting position here. Oh, I'm going to fall over. Okay. Yep. Yep. Fire the gun. That's how so many of us live this Christian life. We, we see all these runners beside us and they've shed every ounce of weight possible. And yet we, we decide to keep these sins that so easily entangle us. We decide to keep these weights that hinder us. Why? Because they look more appealing. They look more appealing, but all they're doing is slowing us down and tripping us up. If you give Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world, a chain with weights and a rope, he's not going to win a single race. Fastest man alive. He won't win a single race because he's weighed down by the weight and he's going to trip on this silly rope that he has hanging off of him. So let me ask you the question here today. What's your, what's your weight that you need to lay aside? What's your rope that's tangling you up? What, what sin are you allowing in your life that's, that's keeping you from running this race with all your heart? I'll give you an example of, of my life. So a couple years ago, my wife and I decided to get Netflix for the first time. We, uh, we made kind of an innocent decision in that. Um, 
I'm a very frugal person. I'm cheap, you could say. That's probably a better word. I'm cheap. And so I looked at our monthly bill that we were, we were spending on, uh, on Redbox DVDs and like downloading movies, whatever. And I was like, you know what? I could cut my bill in half if I just did Netflix. Simple enough. I was like, that's, that's a no-brainer. I'm in. And so we got Netflix, and we went from watching, I don't know, four or five, six hours of movies or whatever a week to like 20 or 30 hours a week. We became masters of the Netflix binge. Like we watched all 10 seasons of Lost and, and every other show like Longmire. We, we just kept watching these shows because I don't have any self-control in that. Like I watched the first show, I'm like, okay, just one more. Oh, that was so good. It's a cliffhanger. Okay, just one more. Ah, that was a really good one. Just one more. And before you know it, it's like eight hours of me watching TV that I, I look back and I'm like, what, what just happened? Where am I? It's like I'm in a, in a fog. Well, that was, that was our life. And so that went on for several months until I had a, a quiet time and I started asking the Lord, you know, what, what do you want to change in my life? And I thought of our entertainment habits. It seems really simple, but the Lord convicted me of how much time I was spending on something as simple and silly like and useless as entertainment. And so what I did, I canceled our Netflix sub- subscription. So like, I'm pretty awesome, right? No, I'm not awesome. Because like a month later, I was like, oh, we have Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime has movies and TVs. Just one. Just one. It's not a big deal, God. It's just one. Like, I'm just going to watch one movie. And by the next week, we were back to like 30 plus hours a week of TV. It, it was a, it's a constant ebb and flow. And so what I'm saying is two things. Number one, that it is a temptation. It is a fight to shed weight in our lives. It's a constant fight. It's a daily fight. You can't just make the decision once and then move on and expect to be great. No, it's a daily decision to lay down this weight. Oh, that feels so nice. It's a daily decision to lay down the weight. It's a daily decision. Okay, I'm going to put up the rope. I want to be able to run well. Every single day you have to make that decision. But it's a fight. It's hard. But I also want you to know that there's grace there. You don't need to feel condemnation. The Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so what do we do? We, we recognize that we've been carrying this weight. And what do we do? We just, okay, I'm done. No more weight. By the grace of God, Lord, help me. And you just make a decision. But there is grace there. Whenever a runner in a race trips and falls, does, does he trip and fall and then just sit there and start crying? Well, some of them do. But like the ones in the Olympics, when they trip and fall, what do they do? They get back up, dust themselves off, and start running again. And that's what we have to do. It's a daily battle of shedding weight of getting rid of sin. And you'll find that, that you shed the weight, you get rid of sin, you're feeling good, you're running along, and then you look over, and you're like, oh, that's a pretty green rope. 
Ooh, shiny weights. And then you just start running with them again. And then, oh, I'm carrying the weights and the rope again. It's, it's a daily, daily laying down of those things. So let me ask you again the question, what, what sin is tripping you up? What are you allowing to, to hang on yourself that, that keeps tripping you as you run this race? What weights are you allowing in your life that are weighing you back from running this race well? You know, with the, the sin that keeps tripping you up, maybe, maybe your sin is pornography. And maybe what you need to do, instead of just justifying all of, all of your decisions, you need to make a really hard decision and get rid of your smartphone. Or you need to get rid of the computer in your room. That's what, that's what laying aside these, these things that so easily entangle us is. Maybe it's you have some, some really bad friendships and they, they keep tempting you back into sin. Well, maybe you need to make a really hard decision and get rid of those friends and find some better ones who will, who will run the race with you. Maybe it's not uh, inherently sinful things. Uh, maybe it's just weight that's holding you back. Like maybe your time spent on social media or your time spent playing video games. Now, if you're playing bad video games, that's an inherent sin, so make that distinction there. Or if you're watching Game of Thrones, yeah, stop. Maybe it's, it's a weight that's just holding you back. Whatever it is, we all got them. We all have ropes. We all have weights. Let's, let's decide together to run this race and lay those things aside. You know, you can't advance in life unless you're willing to leave something behind. That, that goes for leadership. That goes for relationships. That goes for uh, my marriage. I, I, can't, I can't advance to another level unless I'm willing to leave something behind. John Maxwell, the, the great uh, leadership coach, once said, he said, learn to say no to the bad and no to even the good so that you can say yes to the best. We have to learn to say no to the bad and no to even good things so that we can say yes to the best. We don't have time to waste on good things. We only have time to be spent on the best things. And that entails laying aside those sins, laying aside those weights so that we can be like an Olympic sprinter running as fast as we can, not held back by anything at all. So if we understand this, we understand that, that we have to lay aside these things. Um, how do we sustain that? Like I talked about like, okay, we're running, we see these weights, we pick them up, and then we're running again. We're all susceptible to, to falling. And so how do we sustain and, and run this race with endurance? Well, it says right here. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. We have to look to Jesus every single day, fix our eyes on Jesus. It's like Peter. You know, remember the story of Peter whenever he's, he's out on the boat and they look over and they see Jesus walking on water towards him. First of all, they're like, what the heck? So Jesus is walking towards them 
and they think he's a ghost. But Peter sees, okay, that's Christ. Okay, uh, call me to come to you. Okay, so Jesus is like, come on, let's do this. So Peter gets out of the boat. He's like, oh, I'm walking on the waves. And he's walking towards Jesus. And he's going towards him. He's like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm right, I'm right with you. I, I locked my eyes with Jesus. I'm right there with you. And then he starts to remember, what in the world am I doing? I am walking on the waves. And he starts to sink. Not because Christ changed. Nothing about Jesus changed. It's the fact that Peter took his eyes off of Christ and put them on his circumstances around him. And we do the same thing. If we don't fix our eyes on Jesus daily, if we don't daily remind ourselves that he is the only answer, then we're going to sink. We're just going to keep on sinking. But if instead we will fix our eyes on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, he will see us through to the end. If we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, we will be constantly distracted by all the shiny objects around us. You know, it's like, like when you blow bubbles. When I blow bubbles for my kids, this is not, they're like the big bubble things. You know, whew, there we go, that's better. When I blow bubbles for my kids, and my kids see the bubbles, oh, it's so shiny, it's so cool, it's floating around, and they run towards the bubbles, and they want to reach out and grab it, and boop, oh, oh there's another shiny, oh, boop, there's another bubble, boop. It's what we do. We look and see all these shiny objects around us, and they have no substance to them. They don't satisfy. They don't give us life. It's like us chasing bubbles. And if we do that, if we fix our eyes on those things instead of on Christ, we're going to wake up a 90-year-old man or woman lying on your deathbed, thinking back on your life, like, man, I wasted it. I wasted it on entertainment. I wasted it on success. I wasted it on money. I wasted it on empty morality. You're trying to be good enough. I wasted it. If we don't fix our eyes on Christ every single day, we will waste it. Just like that. The easiest way to waste your life is just to do nothing. To just wake up every day and do whatever feels right in that day. That's the easiest way to waste it. Just one day at a time. One day at a time, and before you know it, you wake up, 90-year-old, wondering what happened. I know that is not the desire of any one of you. You all want to make an eternal impact. And Christ is saying that if you'll fix, if you'll fix your eyes on me, the author and perfecter of your faith, I will give you a life that you never even dreamed of. A life of, of, of joy and hope and peace and purpose that will echo through eternity. That's what Jesus is offering you. That's what he offers you in the life that he has given you. So it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So how did Jesus endure the cross? How did Jesus endure this intense, insane suffering, this brutal death, the weight of billions of peoples of sin on his shoulders? How did he endure that? 
He did so by looking to the joy that was before him. There, there was not a joy in suffering in, in and of itself. It was not fun to suffer for Jesus, but what, what was joyful for him was that he was looking to the reward. He looked on the other side of the cross and said, okay, I'm going to endure this suffering because on the other side of it, I'm going to be able to bring all men to myself. The joy that Jesus focused on was that he was going to be able to save all men because of his sacrifice on the cross. He was going to be able to sit at the right hand of God. He was going to be able to vanquish sin and death. That was the joy that he was looking forward to. And so how do we endure suffering? How do we endure giving up these, uh, these simple pleasures, these weights, these ropes that seem, seem fun in the moment? How do we endure that? Well, we fix our eyes on the joy that is before us. And that joy is that one day, if we will live this life on mission, if we will live this life with purpose, then one day when we're standing before the holy God of heaven, this life is over, we, we're, we're in heaven, we're standing before him, we get to stand before the one whom our heart adores because that one, Christ, gave himself for us so that we didn't have to bear the wrath that we could never bear. He bore infinite wrath on himself so that we could come into relationship with him. And that's the joy that's before us, that, that we get to see him, we get to know him, we get to be with him, and we get to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't you guys want to hear that? Well done, my good and faithful servant. We want to make the most of this life. You know, we don't give up um, TV or pornography or bad friendships or whatever we're giving up. We don't give those things up just for empty morality. We don't give those things up just to be religious or just to um, be a better church kid. Those are all terrible reasons to give those things up. We give those things up so that we can know and enjoy Christ forever. That's, that's at the foundation of it all. But we also give those things up for a lot more. When I gave up, the, the times that I have given up, again, I said I'm, I'm not perfect at it, but the times that I've given up our, our entertainment in our house, you know, watching hours upon hours of TV, my wife will tell you that, that our home is such a, a joyful place when that's happening, that I'm leading better, that, that she is, is happier, that my kids are happier, that, that we have a better relationship, we enjoy each other more, we have a more fulfilling, more fruitful relationship. And so when you give up the temporary pleasure of, uh, of pornography, you get to enjoy the peaceful fruit of righteousness and holiness. Aren't you tired of being entangled by that sin? When you give up bad friendships that are, are, are tearing you down, you get to enjoy new God-honoring friendships of people that will run this race with you that you can do life together with. We never just give up to give up. We give up to gain. Paul said that I count everything is lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. So everything on earth, all these things that we give up, yeah, we give it up, but we gain so much more in Jesus. The life that he has in store for you. If you will just 
lay aside your weights. Lay aside those sins that entangle you. C.S. Lewis, the, uh, the guy who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, once said it this way. He said, It would seem that the Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We humans are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. You know, Jesus is, is looking down at us. He's saying, I, I have this, this holiday at sea. I, do you want to go sailing with me? We're going to go sailing on the Mediterranean Ocean with the Lord of heaven. Do you want to come? And we're just sitting there in the slum making mud pies. No, I'm good. This is fun. That's what, that's what our sin is. That's what these weights, that's what these, these ropes are. All it is is mud pies in a slum. And God's saying, I have so much more for you. I have so much more joy, so much more life, so much more fulfillment for you if you will just come to me. Infinite joy is offered to us in Christ if we will but fix our eyes on him. But that doesn't come naturally to us, and so we have to daily beg God. God, would you do a miracle inside of me today? Lord, I want to fix my eyes on all these other shiny objects around me, but, but help me to fix my eyes on you because I know that you will give me purpose. You will give me life. You will give me joy. Every single day we have to humble ourselves before the Lord, come to him, ask for the grace and the strength to lay aside these weights, lay aside these things, these sins that tangle us up so that we can experience the greater joy that is Christ himself. We all have one life to live. That's it, one life. Some of you will get 80 or 90 years. Some of you might get 30. But either way, you get one shot at this. One shot to make this life count. One shot to, to let your life echo into eternity. And so how will you live it? What kind of legacy do you have right now? What, what do you need to change so that your life will have meaning into eternity? 2 Timothy 3, 6 through 8. This is Paul. At the end of his life, he's sitting in a Roman prison. He knows he's about to die. In fact, a little while after writing this letter, he's beheaded by the emperor. And Paul knew it when he wrote these words. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved Christ's appearing. That is a man who who knows that he made the most of his life. He didn't waste his life. And God's calling us to do the same thing. He's, God's calling us to make the most of this one life that we have so that we can say with Paul, I have fought the fight. 
I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Your life matters. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. Your life matters. For all of eternity, it matters. And how you live this life now will determine how you spend the rest of your eternity. And so make the most of this life that you've been given. So as we move into a time of response, I want you guys to to be thinking about your own life. I hope you know that that you play a grand part, uh, a, a major role in this story of Christ's plan of redemption. He's got those those great cloud of witnesses around us that are cheering us on, saying, "I believe in you. You can do it. I've lived this life. I, I've I've fought the fight. I've kept the faith, and you can too." There's a legacy that's been left for us, and we're we're following in their footsteps. And we are all a part of that grand plan. We all have a role to play. So I want you to take your cards out from under your chairs. Let's just get quiet before the Lord here this morning. Might help you to close your eyes to just remove distractions. I want you to ask yourself, what changes do I need to make? Actually, ask God. God, what changes do you want me to make? What sin have I allowed in my life that keeps tripping me up in this race that you want me to cut off? What weights am I hanging on to that I think will satisfy me but are really just holding me back from running this race well? You know, maybe you're sitting here this morning and continuing with our runner's analogy, you're, you're not even in the stadium of Christ. You don't know him. You don't love him. You don't even think he's real. That's okay. Just confess that. Just say, God, if you're real, would you show me? And he'll do it. Maybe you're in the stadium. You're you're in Christ, but you're sitting on the sidelines. You're not in the race. You're not living life on purpose, on mission for him. Know that there's grace there. That there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he's calling you up. He's calling you up for purpose in life. He's saying, get in the race. I have so much more for you than you think. Maybe you're running the race. You're trying to pursue Christ. You're trying to pursue others, but you're carrying around some weights. You're tangled up in your sin. Today is the day that it falls away, that you lay it aside for good by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of Christ living inside of you. Today is the day. You can be done with it. You can run the race with endurance. You can run it well. Lay it aside. 
ask God for his grace to help you lay it aside. And then every single day for the rest of your life, do the same thing. God, I need your grace today. Would you help me to walk in holiness? Would you help me to walk in purity? Would you help me to walk unselfishly on mission for you, loving others, being a blessing to others, pursuing you with all of my heart? Help me to love you. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so if you will humble yourself before the Lord every day, he will give you his grace to pursue him, to know Christ, to love him to love others. So we remember the legacy that goes before us. We remember that we're, we're playing a part of this grander plan, that these great heroes of the faith are cheering us on. And then we rid ourselves of, of the weights. We rid ourselves of sin. We refocus on Christ. We fix our eyes on Christ and off of the things around us. And then we run for the joy set before us. Remember the infinite joy that's offered to you if you will just seek the Lord. If you will lay aside those sins. And then we do that every single day. Not just today, not just tomorrow, every day for the rest of your life. And that is how you make your life count. That is how you can say with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will award to me on that day. You have the opportunity to make the most of your life and to be able to say that with your dying breath. Christ has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. Will you say yes to him? Will you submit yourself to him, trusting that his infinitely good plan is better than whatever you could ever think of for yourself? So as we continue to respond, we have our communion where we can remember that our great Savior bore infinite wrath on himself in our place so that we could know him, that we could be with him, we could love him, we could experience fulfillment and his joy. And we have our, our ties where we can give back to the Lord because of how much he's given us. And we, we're gonna worship together. That's what I encourage you guys. Don't hold back. Don't hold back your heart for the Lord. This is an opportunity for you to be filled with that joy that we're talking about. If you will worship the Lord with all you have, even if you don't feel like it, if you will command your body to praise the Lord, then he will fill you with the joy that you're looking for. Just confess to him, God, I'd, maybe I don't want to worship right now, but would you help me? Help me to see you. Let's not hold back here together. Let's worship.